The Maverick UFO. All right, so bet. All right, people. So today we got Alyssa Nichols on the call. Um, I don't know a whole lot, but from what I do know, we have a former student athlete. We have a black woman. We have probably should have said that first. Black woman first. <laughs> For, right. Former student athlete, business owner, keeps it real, 100% authentic. So it made sense to have her on the unpopular opinion because I feel like she has something to bring to the table. So with that being said, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here and share some knowledge and hopefully laugh a little bit and have some fun. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, and I should have asked you this before we got on, but whatever, we're going we gonna to keep it a hundred. So your business is, is it Yanoa Fit? Is that how you say it? Yanoia. Yanoia. Did I say that right? Yanoia? Yanoia. Okay. Could you tell the listeners what that means? Yes, you know if it actually has uh, two meanings. It's Greek in origin. Okay. It means the goodwill that you cultivate between yourself and whatever audience you're interacting with. And it also has a medical meaning that just means uh, well mind to be in a good state mentally. Okay, okay. Um, was there something that kind of inspired you or triggered you to make that your business name? Uh, yeah, actually, I came across that word on Instagram, I don't remember what page I was on, and I thought it was just a really cool word. It's one of the only words that has all of the vowels in it, except for, I guess, no, all of them. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw the meeting, and at the time I was in, uh, I guess it was my senior year, I was getting ready for my art exhibition in college, because okay. I had BFA in studio art. Nice. And uh, I was telling my teacher about the name that I wanted to use. I wanted it to be Unoya Creative. And he's an older white guy. It's Baylor, it's very conservative. You know, everybody uses their last name and then designs. Well, my last name is Nichols. And I was like, that's not cool. There's nothing okay, <laughs> cool about okay. that. Um, Maybe, so I wanted- you, know, you never know, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just, I wanted it to be something different. And so he was not with it. <laughs> okay. He's just like, nobody's going to know how to say that. Nobody's going to know what it means. Like, that's not going to work. And he just gave me a lot of flack for that. And he was kind of like, nah, with the fact that I decided to use it anyway. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to my senior art show, it actually ended up being the talk of the show. Like, that's what stopped people at my table was, what does this word mean? How do you right. say it? How is it related to whatever it is that I'm showing? And so that was like one of my first experiences or opportunities to sort of go against the grain that I felt like paid off. And I was like, okay, like, you know, he didn't really, wasn't feeling it, but I decided to go with my gut anyway. And yep, it worked out should. really well. Yep. Um, so when it, I fast forward to starting the business, I went through, you know, the, the typical live fit, limitless, you know, all of the different yeah. names <laughs> that you see, but that are pretty <laughs> generic. And then right. I was with my brother and I was just like, what about you know your fit? And he was like, that's it. That sounds like it to me. Like it just, it flowed well and it it's meaning translated well into what I stand for. So that's how it came about. And then it's just, it's always been a very good conversation starter. How do you say that? And this, what do you do? And now we're talking about the fact that I own a business. Like right, it's right. rolling pretty easy. 
No, for sure. I mean, it definitely grabbed my attention because I'm like, that ain't just, that ain't, first of all, I had never seen it before, you know, hence me asking you what it meant. So I think it's a great conversation starter. I wouldn't see how anybody could not also see it that way. Um, but also too, like for marketing, I think it's very important that first of all, you keep it real and keep it authentic and you know how to stand out. So when your name has a specific meaning to you and it kind of pops out on, on the page and it kind of grabs people's attention, I think, you know, why not? So thank you for going with your gut. <laughs> you know, like straight up for real. Um, so another thing that I want to talk about, I want to kind of start the conversation off from, we know we have a starting point and then we'll finish somewhere. So what started you, you know, into or jumping into the business of fitness? Because you are a former student athlete for a very large university. Um, you ran track for that university, Baylor University. Um, so what about fitness kind of triggered you? Because you also said, you know, you were into art. So it's like, okay, you know, student athlete, art, fitness, maybe they go hand to hand. Maybe there's like a, like a creativity, you know, perspective, you know, within there somewhere, but we want to hear your side of the story as to kind of how you got started in fitness and then how things kind of took off for you from there. Well, I wish it was more glamorous, but it actually was a complete accident. I had, okay. That's funny. I had no intention <laughs> of, of being a personal trainer. That was never a goal of mine or owning the gym. Like it just never was, but I graduated and like a typical student athlete or ex-student athlete, I didn't really know what was next. Right, like, you same. know, I'll have a certain dream at, you know, you want to run track professionally, do whatever you're doing professionally. And as things start to unfold and that turns out to not be the case or not something you don't want to pursue at whatever point you okay. got to figure out what's next. Right. And so I uh, went back home and I was living with my mom. So I got a job at the Gold's Gym in Uptown Dallas. Uh oh. Just to pass time. Right. Like it was literally just, I'm, I'm, I was really trying to decide if I wanted to do freelance graphic design or if I wanted to work for an art department, like for a company. Mm -hmm. And so I was working at the front desk, slinging shakes and checking people in at 5am, <laughs> just, you know, whatever, yeah, right. just trying to make some money. And I started working out, just naturally started back working out while I was there. And one of the guys that was a trainer there, he's like, you know, you, you don't work out like a typical woman like just a regular woman like you have a certain intensity about you that's different right I was like yeah, I used to you know be an athlete and those type of things and I guess he's he saw in me the connection between the way that I train and the interaction with the people the members like apparently the people that actually frequented the gym really liked me at the front desk thought I was personable mm -hmm. those type of things so he kind of encouraged me he's like why not just start training while you're here? Be a trainer. Like you'll make more money. And you know, if, whenever you want to stop, you can stop. Like you can just, you know, go do the, do the art thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was, I was, for lack of a better term, I was miserable at the front desk because of management or lack of management. For sure. And that was kind of how I, I started to realize that I'm not really meant to work for people. Like that <laughs> doesn't really work for me. I don't think it really works for anyone well, you know, in the yeah. situation which at, I'm at some point, yeah. you know, and so I had a couple run-ins with my then boss 
uh, and we had some some issues and things like that. And so I ended up switching over to PT. And then from there, I just kind of fell in love with the process of getting to know people and helping them, you know, creating something that was tailored toward their goals and then watching them actually meet those goals was really satisfying um, for me. So it just kind of snowballed from there um, into my own business situation because I was tired of let Gold's Gym taking all my money all the time. Right, <laughs> right. No, I definitely feel that. I actually started my fitness career off on accident um, or not, not by choice, I should say. Um, I started off at 24 Hour Fitness as an actual trainer. And uh, being a student athlete, you know, and it could be different for you. I don't know. You can tell me, but I didn't know shit about fitness. You know, I knew athletics. So I knew run, jump, lift, pick up some heavy shit. And it was more of a, a training mentality than it was me working out, you know, because as athletes, we train, we don't exercise, we don't work out, we right. train, it's different. And for the past five years or more, depending on how long you've been an athlete, you know, that's all you kind of know. So can you talk to us about some of the transitions and things that you may have had to make from being an athlete as far as like your mentality, you know, just dealing with gin pop, you know, specifically dealing with other women who may not have that athletic background. Like what are some things or some adjustments that you had to make or I guess um, adapt as a fitness professional, you know, coming from being an athlete? I think that my biggest, um, the biggest issue that I had early on or something that I noticed that I had to be mindful of was my intensity level. Okay. When you're an athlete, you, you train at a certain intensity, even as an ex-athlete that is just working out, you still keep that intensity about you when you train. I feel like Right. For the most part. And so I had to, especially dealing with women, because women are sort of pigeonholed in fitness into this, you know, idea that you're supposed to, one, look a certain way. You're only supposed to lift a certain, you know, weight. You only supposed those, to work out your butt and your legs yeah, and your thighs only. Right. <laughs> and so I had to really educate myself um, about just regular fitness for regular people, the things that women care about and the, and the things that women also should care about that they don't care about or don't know to care about. Mm -hmm. um, and so early on, I really had to decide whether I was going to take the typical ex-athlete route of I'm only going to train athletes or I'm going to do sports specific mm -hmm. training or am I going to work with the general population? For me, it was a pretty easy choice. Okay. To be honest, uh, even though I'm, I've had to develop patience right. okay. <laughs> over the years, that's something that I really struggled with early on. Okay. Um, I didn't really want to work with athletes. I felt like that market was super saturated and they don't really need my help. It's enough people, it's enough people working with athletes, the people that I wanted to help were the everyday women that needed to get healthier for a number of reasons. And that evolved over the years into prenatal, you know, specialties and those type of things okay. but probably my intensity and my patience because I wasn't I was trained for a long time by my dad mm -hmm. and so he is a very intense person especially when it comes to training and goals and things and so 
in the beginning, it was really hard for me to wrap my mind around just allowing people to be who they are. Right, right. Like, like you say you want this, come on, let's do it. Like, I don't got, I don't really want to hear all of these excuses and all yeah, of, you no, know. Get your scholarship for it. <laughs> right. It was difficult for me in the beginning to sort of understand how the average everyday person feels you know people that don't like to exercise but do it because they know they have to you have to take a different approach with them than you would someone who is an athlete or has athletic background or goals it's just two totally separate like vibes when you're training them you can't approach those people in the same way because you know average person will look you in your face and be like i'm not doing that right right so right. you know it's like you can't <laughs> That type of stuff personally. Yeah. As if, you know, I was training athletes. I, you know, I can cuss and fuss and yell. You can't have that approach with mm. everyday people because Not people aren't used to that intensity. They'd be like, who the fuck right. you talking to? You know, yeah. now we in here arguing with each other when this right. is like <laughs> we just don't understand that it's all it's still love at the end of the day. Like I may say something, you know, really intense, but it's coming from a good place. So I had to really tailor that and sort of tamping that back and not be so intense with people that's just trying to lose 10 pounds they're not trying to win the olympics yeah for sure i know when i started because i didn't come from a family of athletes so i was like the athlete in my family Mm. but so i was used to people not wanting to work out or them seeing me be a whole division one athlete you know two sports at one time and they were just like oh like you still doing that thing you doing like you know (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal you know um so but when i got into fitness what i had to adjust and understand was like movement quality and the fact that what I thought was normal or natural from like a movement perspective was advanced, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, it was normal for me. And I didn't really like, you know, you try to cue somebody on a pushup, you're like, go ahead and knock out some pushups. And they start doing all of this, and, you know, <laughs> or they start humping the floor and you just like, man, what the fuck is that? Like tighten up. Like, do you don't, you don't feel yourself? Like, no, what are you talking about? So I think for me, like jumping into the fitness industry, getting certified, getting my feet wet, learning through practical experience, I had to learn that, you know, how do I progress regular people? Because when you show up as an athlete, it's just like, yeah, motherfucker, go grab a platform, slap some weights on that bitch and start moving. And if you don't know how to do it, then we probably ain't gonna need your ass next semester. You know, no, that's, that's, that's I, I think that that's probably something. I'm not sure that it was as hard for me just because I kind of knew uh, my early clients were very beginner. Like some of my early clients, people that had never exercised before. Mm-hmm. Like I got a couple of clients like that early. And so that's the, one of the beautiful things about having an athletic background, something that helped me from being an athlete was the ability to adapt pretty quickly. Like I can see, I'm telling you to do something and your knees is knocking, that's not working. Okay, what cue can I give you or how can I assist you in, you know, mm-hmm. knowing what to say. So I was able to adapt, I feel like pretty well. On top of, like you said, being certified and just doing research. Just I spent time looking up stuff, look figuring out like what's the best way to do this what are the you know the best cues to get someone to do what it is that i'm wanting them to do 
Yes, yes, for sure. Um, I think the big thing too, just for any fitness professional, which I preach, is that the, you can learn whatever you learn from the textbook, but until you apply it and until you can put it into your own words and kind of find your own style, it's going to be really hard for you to convey your message to general population or to an elderly population or to, as you said, someone who's never worked out before, because to you, it's it's second nature or What's worse for me is that I'll see trainers and they'll be talking to their client and all these scientific terms and talking about thoracic rotation. Like, man, nobody know what the fuck you talking about. Like, you better, you better demonstrate and say, do this, you know, <laughs> or find your own way to turn that into a metaphor or use like an example. Yeah, that relates to their life so that y'all are better connected that way. And that's something that I had to... I guess, um, improve upon when I entered the field on top of having a fuck ass manager at 24 hour fitness, I'm gonna just call it like it is, you know, he was, I've been there. <laughs> he was, a, he was a hoe straight up. I said it on camera, he was a hoe, you know, um, and everybody that worked there with me at the time, they know he was a hoe. So fuck him. But yeah, I think that transition from athlete to fitness professional, I think that's huge and not a lot of people talk about it because two, as an athlete, they don't design our schedules to have no internship or to have no job or no shadowing opportunities unless it's heavily built into your degree plan. But then even then, a large part of your day is consumed with practice and meetings and treatment and you already know the drill. So that's something that I think student athletes, if they can, because I still understand that athletics is a business and there's only so much they're going to do, you know, for the furthering of education. I'm not going to talk too much about that on here, but, <laughs> you know, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a huge disadvantage that student athletes um, are facing. So every time I see a student athlete who has kind of pulled themselves through and have kind of turned themselves into this, this self-made business owner, or they've kind of, you know, become something bigger than I know the college experience allowed them to be outside of an athlete. I think that's inspirational and I think that's huge. So applause to you, you know? Thanks. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so we we talked about the fitness industry. We talked about some transitions. So let's talk about what a day in the life looks like for you as a business owner, because it's real easy for people just to think you own your business and you're rich, you know, <laughs> or, or they or or they think you didn't got on the Internet or Adobe Photoshop and created a logo and now you're in business. So tell tell the people a day in the life what it's like for you. Um, and the reality of being a business owner and owning your own space and things that kind of go into it and maybe, you know, some pros and cons and some frustrations, just whatever you want to talk about. Okay. Um, well, first, I'll, I definitely can second that. It's so funny. Someone, uh, uh, the, I guess it was a couple months ago, was telling my best friend that she just thought I was, she just assumed that I was rich. Like, I, she was dead serious. She wasn't like trying to be but yeah. see, she's, she was really like, I just thought she was rich. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I was like. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I'm glad that I, I'm portraying a rich lifestyle. Maybe I'm manifesting rich, but, 
Rich would not be in the first 10 adjectives I would use to describe where how I'm living right now. For sure. But um, a day in the life for me, typically I am up by 5, 5.30-ish. I usually have my first um, group session at 6. I vacillate between having a 5 a.m. and not. I'm at a point in my life where I don't, I, I'm not having to grind so hard, so I don't feel obligated to that's have to have see, uh, see, that's why they thought you was rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, she ain't got no 5 a.m.? Right, right, right. She graduated. Yeah, yeah. She, 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 on, she on a whole nother tier. <laughs> so I usually have my first consistent, like, 6 a.m.s, and I usually work from 6 a.m. to roughly 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Depends on um, how many sessions, what day it is, that type of thing. I usually will get done at around that time I usually have a long break so my you know days are usually opposite of the everyday person so I'll have a break from 11 to 3 or 4 and then I'll start my evening sessions for until 8 or 9 um midday it just really depends on where I'm at in my life like sometimes I'm asleep in the middle of the day because I'm tired um but Ideally, on a good day, those hours midday are spent doing business-related things, whether it's just admin stuff, sending out emails, responding to emails, writing workouts, programming, recording workouts, usually happens on my break. Um, And then I go into my evening. Uh, I don't particularly, honestly, like work until 9 p.m., Mm -hmm. but I really love my groups, so I'm not at the point where I want to stop training these certain groups because they're fun. And I, they, you know, they actually fill my cup up to be there, interact with them. Um, So I work Monday through Friday with generally that schedule. Saturdays vary. Um, I I try not to work until 12, but recently with all of the nonsense I had to deal with moving my gym, I had to make up a lot of sessions because I was closed for a month when I wasn't supposed to be. So I've been working until about three on Saturdays and um I finally got to a point where I decided to take Sundays off and not work seven days a week yeah so that's Sundays good. my day I, I mean I still do administrative work I think that's a common misconception with a lot of people we're kind of in this generation of self-employment which is amazing I'm not one of those people that's like everybody wanna like do whatever you feel like doing if that's that you feel moved to do it do it but I think People are confusing, okay. not wanting to work for someone and not wanting to work. <laughs> yeah, that's big. Like, that's big. There's a difference between not wanting to work for someone and you just really don't want to work. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and <laughs> it just is what it is. But because people assume that business owning is going to be easier. Like, I'm going to quit this nine to five and I'm going to be doing my own thing. It's like, yeah, that sounds good, but mm-hmm. you're going to work twice as many hours, especially early on. Yes. Trying to get things done, especially if you don't have the funds to hire out a web designer and hire out. Like, those are things you have to spend time facilitating and doing. And so it's not really as glamorous <laughs> as people. No, it's like. not. Yeah. I mean, it's when people start their own business, you know, as I may have mentioned earlier, people don't really understand what really goes on from A to Z. And first of all, the first thing, the mistake is that they consider revenue, all revenue to be profit. 
And a lot of times the money that you make and that shit is going back into the business or it's paying off a debt or it's helping you out with your whatever business loan you've taken out or whatever. Um, but as it speaks to business and having a business, a lot of people really don't consider all the admin work and you filing for your LLC and you having certain trademarks and you establishing the DBA and you having a website and the website ain't free, nigga. You know, <laughs> and you having to file your taxes and stay on top of that. And you got all these quarterly schedules and, you know, all of this shit that you got to do. And before it ever before you ever hit Instagram doing an exercise, all of those <laughs> things had to happen first. So when they see you, they got somewhere to go, you know, and I think a lot of people, whether it be, you know, deliberate ignorance or blissful ignorance however you want to categorize it i think a lot of people really don't consider or naturally consider that aspect so oh yeah they just like you said they think i'm gonna just get a logo and i'm gonna make whatever i'm gonna make and it's gonna make money as soon as i post it on facebook everybody's gonna buy it and right. it's gonna be great right. <laughs> never like that and I, I do get people that will reach out and ask me you know for advice or how they how i did what i did and I, I always think it's interesting that people think people just assume that i'm some type of business guru and i'm like i i did i did this shit mm -hmm. on on the fly <laughs> like right, i didn't right. ask i had i had some help because my older brother owns his own business and he was the first person in my immediate family to do so so and he was which I'm very thankful for, yep. made sure that I did the paperwork first. You know, exactly. he told me that yes. everybody wants to do the glamour stuff and they want to post and they want to, you know, they want to start working on the product and that. And he's like, and then if it does take off and you done made all this money and now you ain't got no paperwork, now you are here looking crazy when they coming for you. They coming so, for you too. So I, I had the, yeah, the pleasure of having someone in my corner that really push for me to get my LLC and do all of those things um, ahead of time. So that helped. But I, I really just kind of went with the flow. When I was at Gold's, I got to a point where I realized that I was working with a, I'll say I was working in a tax bracket that I no longer wanted to work in. And that sounds crazy to people. People are like, you know, why would you right not want to work? With why don't you want to work with people that have money you know these people that are paying you know whatever because they're i mean that they're paying twelve hundred dollars a month for training and all of these type of things yeah but you're only gonna see 200 that and half the time they're not gonna show up that these too. people that got money they don't care about they don't care about their little funky twelve hundred dollars mm -hmm. they're not showing up to these sessions and then that's still money that i'm not making when they don't show up because of the bylaws and all of those things goals is pocketing all of that money yes. and i'm not seeing it because you didn't come to this session Right. And so I very quickly started to realize that I didn't, working in that certain tax bracket, it comes with a certain, some shit that I just didn't feel like I really wanted to, to deal with personality wise, even, and just that whole thing. And so I left and went back south to Cedar Hill, which is where I'm from. And I started working at a dojo, an MMA dojo. Oh, wow. There. Um, uh, a guy that I went to high school with. It's called Hands of Steel Academy now, but, um, and that was where I started, you know, if it out of that dojo, just with whatever weights they had, we had no AC, no heat. <laughs> like we was just in oh, there. Damn. Out. Yeah. And I learned a lot in that, 
in that time though, just about, that was probably where I made the most mistakes as far as business models. And I didn't have a business model. I, I know now, but then I was really just winging it. Like I was really just out here like, who want to train? <laughs> like that was it. Show up, we going to work out. And I had one client who I still train to this day, who I trained for free for the better part of a year, mm-hmm. just because I needed someone that I knew was going to show up and do the things that was asked so that I could get results so I could post results. So we made an agreement. Right. It was no paper. It, was, it wasn't a paper agreement. I would never make that mistake again. Yeah, no. But, <laughs> you know, just new yeah. things you don't learn, but that's what kind of got me started. And so I think that's the other thing that people, especially in the fitness industry, new people that are trying to enter into this market, they, they want to come in and they want to make money instantly. And that's not me saying you should not charge what you're worth. Mm-hmm. however you gotta to work for free mm-hmm. early on you're gonna have to i did so many free my first boot camp was free and no one showed up to it right That's <laughs> the real. second one i think i had two people That's you real. know like it was very slow and and people get discouraged because mm-hmm. it's like you know they think they're just gonna post themselves and then all of these people are gonna come and that's just not how it works right so um yeah i had to really figure out like the best way for me to build a following is really just consistency. Yeah. Just videos and getting over that. Like I feel really awkward posting myself <laughs> working out in my mama living room, but here we go. <laughs> like, right. That type of stuff. And then it just slowly started to build. But even then, you know, I made moves from that MMA studio to an all women's gym in the design district. And all I had was the one month's rent that, that she was asking for. I didn't have, <laughs> I had four clients and the, mo- the amount of money that she said I needed to pay each month, I had one month, mm-hmm. but I knew I can build something. I can continue to build off of this. And it just sort of snowballed. Yeah, from for that. sure. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of viewing their business as this microwave relationship, like what I like to call it to where, they're going to grab that shit out the freezer, heat it up real quick, and then it's going to be popping, you know, but anything that come fast, leave fast too. And we know that, yeah. but at the same time, there's so many things that go into having a sustainable, profitable business and brand with integrity that you have to learn how to fall in love with the journey. And a lot of people, they love that destination until they got to walk to that bitch, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like if if they could fly, it'd be all good. But when you, when you tell somebody they got to walk and then after a certain amount of steps, they can buy them a card. And after you buy a card, you can afford some flights and they just like, oh shit, fuck that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too much. So I think as you're speaking to consistency, I feel like that would probably be, you know, the best thing to take away from any business that you have, even if it's not fitness. Cause a lot of people, they start real hard. And then when they don't see no results and when they don't see that traction, they don't see those viewers and subscribers. They like, man, fuck this. So you got to make sure you're doing whatever you're doing from the right place too. And that's something I also believe, but you know, speaking of doing something from the right place, tell me a little bit about your, um, your specialty in, in prenatal. Yes. The crazy thing is I always wanted to be a gynecologist. That was, since I was small, that was what I wanted to do. And 
when I got to school, that was what I was originally going to school for. Okay. Was pre-med and I just wasn't fulfilled in the way that I thought that I would be with regards to that and being a student athlete. And that's not to say I know plenty, I've graduated with plenty of athletes that are doctors now and that did that, but the stress of traveling all the time and the intensity of that type of program at an institution like Baylor, I was like, this shit miserable. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. You know, like I'm not about to do this shit. And I did, I did well, but I just wasn't happy. I was right. like, I'm gonna do something that makes me happy. I like to draw, let's draw. It was still I've, difficult in its own way. But, yeah, for sure. Um, and so I kind of got off of the path of that passion that with relate that relates to women's health and reproductive health and those type of things. And so uh, later on, once after I started training, I started to realize how taboo it was to work out while you're pregnant. I started to understand even as I was training women that would get pregnant, it was like they would get pregnant and they fall off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I'm pregnant. Like I can't work out no more. And so right. I started to do research on, you know, like what information and science is science-based like facts about training while pregnant and those type of things. And in that process, I learned about midwives and doulas and all of those type of things too, which really piqued my interest. And so I thought, okay, I talked about not wanting to do sports specific training because it was, I feel like it's a very saturated market. Okay. Pregnant women is a very not saturated yeah, no, it's like, no it's like, it's, I'm about to say it's untapped. Yeah, no one's really tapping into that. And so I already had the passion for women's health and women's reproductive health. I learned about being a doula. I knew that was something that I wanted to um, sort of go into at whatever point. And so I thought, well, the best way for me to tap in to all of that is to go ahead and get the prenatal, uh, prenatal and postpartum certification. That way, I can create, I can literally take women from two, three years before they want to have kids through their pregnancy after, and it can sort of be a well, just like a one-stop shop. Like we can run them through the line. Like there's no reason why you can't continue to put your health first just because you're pregnant. Right. And it really, it has been a great um, thing for my business. I've had Cause you know, you get to that point where you get clients and most of my clients are of childbearing age or have children or want to have children. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to have a plan for them and to be confident in the fact that we can progress you through pregnancy and kind of get you back um, has been really helpful in just client retention. Right. Like my clients know, like I have clients that are pregnant now that it was never even a conversation. It was just like, Hey, I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. All right, we talked right. about what we need to talk about and we keep moving. Yep. So that's been um, really great. And it's helped with the doula business. And I still haven't, I haven't tapped into it fully yet with regards to making it more of a w- well-rounded program and package. But that's my end goal is to really hone in to that, um, that niche of, of women and creates an, a program that works both ways, prenatal going from start to finish and then postpartum and back. Because I mean, it really is important. And the more we learn about pregnancy and health related risks, specifically for women of color, mm-hmm. we start to understand how important it is that 
black women and women of color maintain a certain level of health um, as they have children because it, the difficulties are going to be there whether you're in shape or not so it's better to put yourself in a yeah, for real. good a position possible yeah for sure um I, I think having those scripts available for that population of people in that certain demographic is a great thing because sometimes when we only see like one script right when we only see super fit people working out you got other people who are not that fit be like oh well that that shit ain't for me right. and i say that because you know, within my family, it's like, oh, well, you know, you work out because you fit. I'm like, this has to be maintained. Like, we got the same genetics, what you're talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, but when they don't really have that blueprint and then they also don't feel comfortable enough to reach out or do the research or ask, you know, someone around them, you know, what to do because they don't see anything like that. So they, they feel like it doesn't exist and they feel like there's no hope. So for you to provide that platform and to bring that level of education for something that most women are going to go through at some point, whether they want children or if they're pregnant already and they feel like they just got to sit around for nine months or, you know, um, if they've already, you know, had their children or they're coming off of a pregnancy, then they come and find you. Then it's like, oh shit, I thought my life was over and I'm going to be bad built forever and I'm going to get fat and my husband going to leave me and, you know, just, all whatever you know goes on you know mentally and emotionally for these women i know that you're making a difference by giving them an outlet and having those options available for them so thank you for that i ain't no woman i ain't having no kids but thank you for that. <laughs> you know? thank you thank yeah you. yeah for sure um what's what's some advice you know that you would give to women in general you know, I know we've been talking a lot about fitness and business, but what's just some advice you would give to women in general, just as a black woman in the community, a professional black woman, um, a, a black woman just living life on a daily basis, like you walk outside and there's certain things that you've dealt with as a woman um, that you've had to overcome or things that you just know just within the framework of being who you are, there are things that you tackle on a daily basis, you know, because as a black man, there are certain things that I just tackle on a daily basis. So what are some things as a black woman and what are some things, um, what type of advice would you give to other black women as they're moving through and looking to establish and find, you know, the, the fulfillment factor within themselves? Um, that's a good question. I think first I would, it's not necessarily advice, it's just more of a statement. Right. And knowing that whatever avenue that you're taking, you deserve to be there. There you go. Um, something that I experienced and still experience to a certain degree, depending on what arena I am navigating, is imposter syndrome. Being okay. black in general, you just naturally feel like you don't belong in this room. I don't belong, I don't really, you know belong at this table. Like they know right. that I'm not supposed to be here. I don't know how I got here. Like right. I said, right. they gonna find me out that I'm not supposed yeah. to be here. You be sitting there waiting, waiting to wake up from your dream or yeah, something. Yeah, you waiting for yeah. somebody to bust in and be like, she lying. Right. right. <laughs> so that's, there's that constant battle of the fact that you've done the work, you have the credentials, you know, make sure that you get 
the credentials for whatever it is that you're doing, not even having to be fitness related. But once you um, arrive at whatever table that you are being seated at, take note of the fact that you belong and act accordingly. Um, especially for black women. I've never been a corporate black woman or had to necessarily deal with the same things that corporate black women deal with. But um, there's always that issue of aggression, being Mm -hmm. too aggressive, of coming off too aggressive. Even if you're not being aggressive, you're just you just have an opinion, <laughs> like, right, right. you know, being a black woman, it's hard to have an, have an opinion about something that, especially if it doesn't fall in line with the general consensus of the topic, uh, I would advise black women to keep being opinionated. Okay. Keep being opinionated. You will find the people that you're supposed to, to work with and that want to work with you and that appreciate and value whatever knowledge you're bringing to the table. Um, of course, yes, delivery is everything. But I always tell people, delivery is everything. But once you, once I say what I got to say, I can always go back and clean it up. I can always go back and say, okay, I should have done that better. But if you never say what you have to say, then it, it never gets out there. Mm-hmm. So um, just continuing to be fearless in your pursuit of the things that you want. Don't allow preconceived notions or whatever the case may be to stifle your voice or to make you feel like you have to be less or be smaller. A lot of times black women, we live small. Okay. We um, allow ourselves to be pigeonholed into these, this certain criteria of who we are and what it is that we're supposed to do and not supposed to do, or we're allowed to do. Um, And that doesn't serve anyone. Living small serves no one. (laughs) Right. Right. I agree. Um, I definitely would say, just continue to use your voice, be a voice for yourself, as well as being a voice for other women. A lot of the success that I've had um, as a black woman entrepreneur is because I made it a point to be a voice for other women. I didn't just say, like, I don't just get on and post 800 pictures of my body. And, you know, it's just all about me. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that because you work hard or whatever the case may be. And you, you know, value those things. Mm -hmm. But I found that you you have so much more success when you make other women important, when you are, um, when it's important for you to give other women knowledge and the spotlight and help. So um, I think it's just really important that we be accountable to ourselves, but also to other black women. We have to hold each other up. And so I, sometimes you don't always see that. And just in business in general, you know, it's it, mm-hmm. everyone's always like, oh, I can't, you know, nobody wants to share how they got here or what, you know, what they have going on. And like I was right. telling you before, it's, it's enough to go around. I'm not the only trainer in Dallas. <laughs> I would, I couldn't service all of Dallas if I wanted to. Exactly. Like, you know, so it's like, why don't be afraid to put people on because you just never know what, um, how that's going to come back to you or how that can be of service to what it is that you're doing. So I just, I hope that black women continue to shine in all the ways that we have in, you know, owning small businesses at a very high rate and doing that type of thing and just believing in what it is that you're doing, um, until, you feel otherwise 
Right. No, I I definitely agree. One one thousand percent. Um, <clears throat> I think that due to historical timeline, um, and then of course, you know, we we can talk about slavery, we can talk about oppression, we can talk about everything, but I think too what I see um as a black man looking out into the world as black women is that you know, we need to do a better job of making sure that black women feel safe and secure to have that opinion and to have that point and to be able to judge them on the same basis and the same um, performance criteria that we judge everybody else, you know, right. and not, not, not shun, you know, or, you know, I'll say too, privilege the black woman to certain things just because she's a black woman or she's a woman in general. And those those are some things that I see too, because sometimes I'll be in situations to where it's like, you know what, like she's right, you know, and we should respect her or we should respect her opinion, you know, and not hold her back because she's a woman. But also too, in other instances, I've seen where, like y'all just giving her a pass because she's a woman and that's not fair to her either because you're creating this false reality that she has this power that she hasn't earned. So I think when it goes both ways, we can turn the corner as to how we take care of our black woman as telling our black women the truth, holding them to that standard so that we can both black men and women progress you know, in a correct way. No, I definitely, um... I think that's important, extremely important, and also Black women understanding that you are allowed to define yourself. Mm -hmm. um, there's always going to be, especially for Black men and Black women, there's an <laughs> a entire infrastructure that has been built upon telling us who we are, right. telling us what we like, what we don't like, what we what this means, what this doesn't mean, over sexualized. Black women. How we should be, what's, what's, what's Black, right. what's not Black, you know. Exactly. So I, I definitely think, even as a whole, but speaking more pointedly to Black women, it is important to be able to define yourself and to be comfortable with whatever definition you choose, whatever, whichever avenue you're choosing and however you are, are living your life, do mm -hmm. it with pride. Mm -hmm. Do something, make choices that you're proud of. They may not be societally correct or whatever the case may be, but make sure that you're doing them for the right reasons and stand by those reasons, um, right. regardless of what is going on or what society is telling you you should do or should feel. Right, for sure.